Hey everyone, welcome back to the Improv TX Comedy Network. If this is your first time checking out the podcast network, we appreciate it. Please head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give the Improv TX Comedy Network a like. And just a reminder, the Improv TX Comedy Network is live on YouTube with all your favorite comedians on the improv stage. All links can be found in the description. And with that, on to the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Act Out from open mic to the big stage. Comedians tell us how stories were made. Today I have a very special guest. This guy is located in Austin, I believe, but originally he's from the New England area. Is that correct? That's right, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, right on. Awesome comedy was just on HBO, ladies and gentlemen. The Ha Festival with Steve Trevino and Ralph Barbosa just absolutely killing it. Go check that out on your HBO Max right now. You got to watch it. Ha Festival, The Art of Comedy. Go check out that stand-up special right now but today we have dave J on how are you doing dave i'm good buddy how are you i am excellent i'm excellent so i've always liked to begin with asking how long have you been doing comedy so it'll be this summer will make four years so it's been a little over three and a half i think four years and you got on hbo already <laughs> yeah yeah there was uh and that was back when it was just two years that was, oh. we filmed that in 21. So it was like two and a half years back then, I think. That's insane. Uh -huh. how, how did that work out? Because you were traveling with Steve Trevino at the time, or did you meet him during that? Or Yeah, so I met Steve at the HBO thing. I was down in San Antonio. So this was summer of 21, and I can't remember which COVID variant was was hot <laughs> back then. But it was, it was very COVID out. And I was like, well, I can't, it, there's not as many mics. I can't really do as much out in the open so i'll just apply to a bunch of festivals and i applied to that one and it was it's in i'm like it's in san antonio it's like a month and a half away it's probably too late but i sent him a tape it was free and the next day the guy who runs it called me and was like asking me questions he goes okay we'd love for you to come be on the new faces during the festival and i go oh great during the festival they you know they film this hbo special at the end but it's still a whole festival and i'm like well i'm not gonna be on hbo that's fine I'll be, a, I'll be a part of the festival. And maybe three weeks before, they called me and were like, well, we actually didn't want to put you on the big show. And I was in the pickup line at school for my kids. It was incredible. I couldn't believe it. And even when we got there, the whole, the whole weekend, I was like, man, it's uh, who knows what's really going to happen. And when I was there filming, that's when I met Steve. And, uh, you know, we hit it off. And then I started working with Steve after that. So I've been on the road with Steve now since then, since the fall of 21. So that will be a year and a half coming up on with Steve that I've been, that I've been with him. And, you know, so that, that Hoff Festival was, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because, you know, I got introduced to Steve and I think being on the road with him, uh, I've become a much better comedian working with him you know he, he's like my mentor and we've been together on the road for a long time working on jokes and learning about the comedy industry and you know i've been here with him in this transitional period where he's you know i worked with him in el paso over a year ago at the comic strip and then we went back to el paso last month and we were at the uh, we did two shows at this theater there I, I can't remember what it's called but it's like you know 1500 people or something like that so he's been entering into this phase where now He's a theater comic. Well, I've been on the road with him, which has been awesome, dude, because, yeah. you know, like we were in Oklahoma this past weekend, and I think this might have been the biggest crowd I performed for. It was 2,700 people sold oh out. Oh, my God. 
America in Tulsa. And I'm like, this is, it's awesome. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's such an incredible sort of thing that I've, I've gotten able to do. And then that Haw thing, that was, you know, everyone knows Ralph Barbosa was on the, on the Haw Festival thing too, but he wasn't supposed to be on the HBO special. It's really kind of incredible because I filmed Saturday and Sunday. Saturday was like a dry run and they were just like, they were just filming just the film, I think. And Ralph was on that. When we did the show on Sunday, he wasn't there. I remember talking to Ralph that weekend, that Friday, probably we're at some other show for the festival. And I was like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm on the HBO thing. And I almost didn't want to tell anybody because I don't want to jinx it. Like I'm on the HBO part. And he right. was like, oh, shit, okay, that's cool. And I, and I, and, uh, I hated telling people because I'm like, you don't want to tell another comic like, hey, you're, you're this close and I'm doing it and you're not. Right. And then it comes out and they cut a couple of people. Luckily, I wasn't one of the people that got cut and they added in what they filmed from Ralph on the day before into that one. And then Ralph blew the f up. Yeah. And I think Ralph is already he was already on the way. I think he had some other HBO stuff lined up. And I think Jeff, who runs the Hot Festival, was like, well, we wanted to be the first to have Ralph. So we got his footage, put him in the special. So that, that was a, that was a really cool kind of special weekend. You know? Oh, yeah, dude. I can't even imagine. And like, I immediately went to my HBO Max today and I was like, I'm checking this out. And I loved it. Was the footage that you shot on the boat, was that like, was that done for that? Or was that what you actually sent in as yeah. your test tape? So the boat stuff we did, we filmed the day before down the Riverwalk in San Antonio. So if anyone's ever been to San Antonio, that's like their big thing. You go down there, there's a boat, you go to a restaurant, you know, you buy a churro or whatever. And uh, <laughs> they, filmed, they wanted to film me and this other person. It was supposed to be both of our first debuts. The other person got cut. I feel bad. But they basically told us, like, we're going to get in a boat. All the people on the boat, they know they're like a part of a show or something. So they're like excited to be there i think they've been instructed like make sure you laugh a lot <laughs> and they're like you're just gonna do stand up on the boat and they're like come with like five minutes and nothing you're gonna do on the show it was like 15 minutes on this boat and you have to stop every time you go under one of those bridges there's a lot of little foot, uh, bridges over the river walk mm -hmm. for light so you have to get there and stop and then start again <laughs> and, and like I thought it probably was even more than 15 minutes and I'm and I'm like, just, I'm just like, I don't want to go into any material and, and, and blow it, but I also don't want to bomb and, and not end up, you know, in the final cut. So it was a really cool thing. They boiled down to like 60 seconds or something like that. And, you know, I'm really proud of the hot festival stuff, but I feel like I'm so much better now than I was then just because of all the, the road work I've gotten to do. So it's yeah. like, I almost want to go back and do it again. I want to go like, no, no, it's better now. Yeah, dude. I, I can't believe two years in. That is, that is awesome. That is so cool. You know, some people are like five, 10, 15 years and they never get that opportunity. So, I mean, but you, you, you're a natural, it seems like too, because it, it feels like you've been doing it a lot longer than that when I watched your videos. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we said, all right, Massachusetts, is that right? That's where you're from? Yeah. Beautiful Southbridge, Massachusetts. And right. beautiful is, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. This is like <laughs> central, you know, it, it should be Massachusetts. New England doesn't get included in the Rust Belt. But a lot of it ought to be, you know, like it's a lot of old factory towns and mill towns that are just, you know, they've got uh, nothing going on now. So I grew up there. I went to college out in Massachusetts, got a job in Austin nine years ago, I think it was, and moved down here. We had one kid, had three more kids, and now, uh, and now we're stuck here. You know, <laughs> I, I love it. I love Austin. I, I like living here. And it's been, it's been a, another just kind of great timing thing for yeah. me that I've been 
from of like COVID hit and then it became kind of the place to be for comedy, you know? Absolutely. I would put it at the third place to be right now behind New York and California, as always. Austin, yeah. Texas is blowing up. The Texas comedy scene in general is blowing up. But yeah, really? what what a perfect place to be for that. So speaking about Texas comedy, Ha Festival, that special, four out of the six comics that are featured are from Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ralph is local from here. You're down there. Uh, Steve Trevino, he actually worked at the comedy club, Addison Comedy Club that I work at, yep. the Improv. He worked there for quite a while, uh, a couple of years, not like super long two or three years he was a door guy he's got great stories about that and then oh, yeah. uh paul rodriguez i don't know where paul's from but paul's from i think he's from california yeah but chingo chingo bling was on there oh, yeah yeah i forgot chingo was on there he kills it every time he comes through he's an awesome guy super nice too yeah. oh so, yeah with comedy, what was your first experience with that? Like, what was the first comedy special you saw? Or was it a late night or a TV show that introduced you? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember watching a lot of different kinds of comedy because I was in middle school right at, like, the height of Comedy Central. Like, when they would actually play specials, like, I remember it was Friday night or Saturday night, they would just play all their half hours. And that would have been, like, late 90s, early 2000s, going right into, like, the Dave Chappelle era, Daily Show era, like, that, all of that, I was, like, absorbing. And I feel, you know, really, like, it was a fortunate time because, you know, I would watch stuff like Blue Collar Comedy Tour and Kings of Comedy. And I feel like it was it was such a wide range of stuff available at that time. Now, I can't even imagine. Now, it's like, if you're a kid now, you know, you have everything you could possibly think of. Right. But we had Kings of Comedy on tape. Comedy Central would play the Blue Collar guys all the time. All the half hours I would watch over and over again. And, you know, back then it was, we had HBO for a little bit. So we'd get Def Comedy Jams for a while. And I don't know, I thought when I was in high school, I'm like, I'm going to be a comedian. I'm going to graduate and I'm just going to, I'm not going to college. I'm going to be, I'm going to become a comic. And then I didn't. And <laughs> I went to college. I had started a family, I started a career. I didn't start doing comedy until I was 30. I started, you know, that summer after I turned 30, I'm like, well, I better do it now or I'm going to kill myself. I had to think about it for 10 years. I'm like, this is what I really want to do. And I started at here in Austin at the uh, Love Goat open mic, which is just a terrible place for comedy. But it's a good, it's a good, you know what I mean? Like, it's a good thing to go and just really struggle. And uh, <laughs> I, the first time I did it, I did it three nights in a row. The first night it was like, I think like everybody, it's like, hey, I didn't die. I must have done pretty good. Were you nervous? And then the second night, yeah, it was, it was, I was like, you know, I, when I was up there, I was fuzzy. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're like so nervous that you're like, you can't even see straight. <laughs> and then I did it the second night at uh, Mr. Tramps. Rest in peace to the Mr. Tramps open mic. Notorious uh, in, a, in a good way and a bad way. It was a bad mic, but it was a good hang. It was a good, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a special place. Uh, and I ate shit and I ate really bad to the point where like I, I didn't go back to mr tramps for like months i'm like i can't go back there it's never gonna work there and I, i'm like all right i'll do it one more time i did it the third night in a row at cold town theater which has since died and then come back to life on the east side here in austin and somebody was like wow you that, that was you're you're all right and i was like i'm, like, I'm gonna do it I'm, okay. I'm all right so it was one of those things where and i'm very much that way where it's like i don't do it's hard for if I, if I really like something i will obsess about it until it makes me unwell and that's why the first time i did it i jumped right in i go three right away and then from then on out i mean i was out 
as much as I could go out, you know, pro four or five times a week after you put the kids to sleep running out. That time it was in Austin and it's even better now. Back then it was easy to go out most nights and find a mic. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you juggle the family, the work, and the open mic? Because open micing is almost a full-time job of itself, you know yeah. what I mean? That's got to yeah. be complicated, especially with four children. So yeah. how, did, how did you find the ability to juggle that and to stay awake, too? <laughs> like, it's, you got three jobs there, yeah. basically. Yeah, you know, it's tough, dude. Everything just it takes a turn suffering. You know, everything is... It works and it will suffer and then family will suffer and then comedy will suffer and you just keep going in a circle and not for how long you can stomach it but really it's my wife she's she's a stay-at-home mom she does everything like she is you know i've been gone a lot for the last year and a half almost every weekend and it's it's her at home with the kids being an only parent while i'm away and you know she kind of believes in it and is like knows that i'm trying to make something happen and she's like all right you know you'll pay me later for this so go, <laughs> go try to make it happen that's you know? awesome yeah when you're rich and famous dude you can buy her the house the car yeah. time whatever you got you know what i mean that's so yeah. cool so you were saying the first time you went up did you practice did you write any jokes or did you just go up and wing it i wrote jokes i wrote them down i recited them word for word exactly how it was going to happen and in the bathroom with my wife, before I go, I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to say. And I'm saying it word for word, the way it's going to happen. And I went up there and, and basically did that. And then for a long time, I was that way. I was like, I got to know the exact words I'm going to use. And as you do for, you know, a little while, you start to be like, all right, I kind of, this is the joke basically. So let me go see if I can find it up there. But yeah, back then it was really like, I'm on the, I'm on script, you know? Yeah. Did you get drunk the first time or did you stay sober when you went up? I was pretty sober. I think <laughs> I had a drink because it was a bar. And I'm like, I guess I got to buy a drink. But now I never do that. I never I, I don't think I've ever gone on stage drunk. No, I, I, I took a gummy and went on stage on New Year's Eve, this last New Year's Eve, How which I that? never do. It was the first show was good. The second show was not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once it kicks in, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the worst thing. If you get high before you go on stage, you're going to be way too in your head. Some people can handle it, but like, you know, they know they're set so well. They It's just repeating it over and over again. Yeah. But where's the fun in that? You know, you got to get all the other yeah. stuff, like the crowd work and and your timing's a little bit messed up. So I was just stay away. Yeah, of course. Uh, that was the last time. So what was it like the first time you got the hosting gig when you actually got the paycheck? Were you pretty quick into it? You know, you, you said, it, what, two years you did the HBO special. So were you hosting that whole time? I don't think I – I had done some, like, small, like, B-room hosting or featuring leading up to that. And in Austin, I was getting longer sets, like, on the showcases, so, like, 15, 20-minute showcase sets. Oh, wow. Um, but the, the – I think the real – if I'm remembering correctly, I want to say the first time that I did, like, a proper club – set host or feature would have been with steve it, it would have been el paso right after we did hbo in san antonio and steve is a two-man show so i go up host and feature so i'll go up 20 25 minutes and then bring him up and then that's that's the show and that would have been the first time and i was nervous too like i was this was in el paso and i was it was in the comic strip and we were staying in the hotel behind the comic strip where people get murdered apparently <laughs> There's two hotels behind the comic strip. There's one where that's like an older place. And then there's one like a Marriott or something. Looking out of my window, I could see the old hotel. And it's all gated off because it's an ice holding facility now. You can't even walk through the parking lot. 
but the, the Uber driver goes, you know, that's where the Night Stalker got his start in oh, that wow. hotel. Is Richard Ramirez killed a woman in her room in the whatever, like 207, whatever the room number is. And he goes, they say every night somebody calls down to the front desk from 207. You can hear a woman screaming. And then there's no phone in there. No one stays in there. And I'm like, dude, don't tell me that shit. I don't want to know that, dude. I don't want to know that, dude. I'm going gonna, gonna to wake up in the morning, open the blinds, and there's the night stalker right there. But, but that's yeah. where they used to keep people. At, at the comic strip they used to stay there i was gonna say though that kind of you're kind of a history buff though right so something like that would intrigue yeah. you yes it's a cool uh it's cool to be near history not too close <laughs> sometimes you get near history but yeah that's kind of my thing i like i like uh, i read a lot of you can see on my books back here i read a lot of history started the podcast just recently this day in history where it, the, the big idea is it's I know a lot of little stories and facts. And so it's kind of like drunk history, just we're not drunk. So it's me and some other comic just giving some story. So I'll, I'll tell a story to them. They'll tell a story to me. We try to keep it pretty specific, you know, like make it something that's like, it's not World War II. It's like this battle that happened. Or we, I just did one that's going to come out soon about Operation Valkyrie where they tried to kill Hitler. Like l those little like kind of vignettes. That is just so interesting to me. And getting to travel, I, I like to go to like, we go somewhere, go like, find out what the local national park is or history museum and just go, you know, look at it. Because even if you're nowhere, that's the great thing about this country, even if you're the middle of nowhere, there's something there that's unique to that place. So you should go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Where I'm from is a small town in Clarion, Pennsylvania, and they have something called the Washington House, which my uncle actually owned for a time. It was a bar and restaurant, but it was called that because George Washington had stopped there along the way. I'm watching your podcast today. I'm just like, man, that seems like a lot of work, but it, it was really intriguing and interesting. Yeah. And I could tell you were very passionate about the history you were talking about. And it's fun yeah. because you guys would just insert little jokes here and there. You know what I mean? So it's I hope yeah, it totally. blows up. I hope so. I mean, I'm trying to figure out the beats. I've been listening back to them and go, you know, and trying to improve. It's like doing stand up. You know, you got to listen to your set and 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 look at it and go, oh, okay, I gotta I gotta shut up right here and let somebody else talk for a moment and and just figure out how to make it better, more palatable. And you know, I think the, the more we do it, the the less work it becomes. Because I go, I think about something that like I kind of know about, and then I'll research it for like an hour and then go, all right, this is this is what happened. Just don't Google anything I say. Yeah. It's going to be directionally, it will be correct. You know? I, I thought that was funny that you said that. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. I was yeah. like, I was like, I'm taking in all this false information right now. Uh, no, it's, it's a great podcast. It's called This Dave in History. Go check it out. Yes. It's freaking awesome. Hey, everyone. It's just stuck jumping in to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. If you dig it, please head over to our website at improvtx.com where you can check out our calendar for all the upcoming shows in Addison, Arlington, Houston, and San Antonio. And don't forget to follow our social media, all links in the description. And with that, back to the podcast. Have you headlined before? Based upon what you've told me, it sounds like you're kind of featuring and hosting, but you're going to be headlining the Addison Improv soon. Have you headlined already, though? A couple times locally here in Austin, around Central Texas. I'm going to San Antonio this weekend to the Artisan. I think it's called the Artisan this, this Saturday, February 4th. We're doing two shows down there. And then coming up to Dallas to see y'all at the Addison. So I've gotten in a handful uh, this year and, and really this month, February, is where I'm trying to start to kick it into full gear here and have it be a regular motion. You know, I think the big thing is, you know, it's like when you hit like a new minute number and you're like just trying to feel comfortable here. I feel very comfortable 
at 25, 20, 30, that's like, okay, go on stage right now. I'll do it. And so I think it's doing, you know, those 45 plus sets long enough where it's no problem. You could just, it, it, it doesn't make you feel nervous. It just feels like that's what I do. And that's, a, that's what I learned on the road is like, we're a small crew. Steve doesn't travel with a lot of people. It's me, him and his road manager. And so during the show, especially when we're in a theater, I'm doing a lot of stuff, you know, I'm like helping to set up merch and I'm running around and I'm getting this person to pass whatever. A lot of times when I walk on stage, I'm in the middle of doing all this and then I just go directly onto the stage. There's not a lot of sit and oh, contemplate. Wow. You know, you got to kind of do that before, try to find a moment. And I think that's been good for me because I don't feel nervous doing that you know the bigger the crowds get you know it's harder to make me nervous and i think that that is a good thing because it's making me i'm willing to take chances in front if i want to take chances in front of 1700 people in san antonio then i'm willing to take chances anywhere and, and try to be as loose as possible on stage and it's been a real benefit to like my confidence and my abilities and learning how to relate to people learning how to work out a joke on stage and you know all that stuff has been the building blocks coming together where i go okay i'm ready to try the next thing yeah so it's headlining Hopefully more and more and more as this year goes on and further on. Uh, are you going to continue yeah, to travel with Steve then? Yeah, I'm traveling with Steve for most of this year and then probably some Texas dates in the fall. So I'll be with him for a little while longer. And I'm looking forward to it because you get to go to some cool places. We're going to Pennsylvania. We'll be up there not this weekend, the next weekend. We're going to Wilkes-Barre, a couple other places. I can't remember exactly where. And, and I like it. It's hard. It's hard for my family to be gone. But I like going to those little places, you know. Like, it's cool to go New York, Miami, whatever, Houston, Dallas, all these big places. But we went to Fort Smith, Arkansas last weekend and Tulsa. And I like those places, too, because you get to, I don't know, it feels like you're really seeing the country for better or worse. No no offense, Fort Smith, Arkansas. <laughs> you're doing your best. <laughs> but it's cool. You know, it, it's a lot of fun. And I think, you know, most of this year where we'll be together. And then it'll start to kind of taper off. You know what would be really cool? It'd be cool to see you do remotes from those historical sites for your podcast, YouTube. I bet yeah. You, that would really blow up, I bet. Because you're smart. You're doing the shorts. I saw that on your regular YouTube and on there. And the shorts are yeah. would blow up like crazy. But it would be really crazy to see you go out as a comedian and do historical, like go to Gettysburg when you're in Pennsylvania or something like that. You know? Yeah. I mean, that would be bad. I that would be that would be a really cool thing to like just kind of like even when you go to some of these places it's just like here's a monument and you're like oh, okay you read the thing you see and, and you get to have like a, a couple of moments that you could film of making fun of it or learning about it or you know asking somebody that i'm with about it and that's everywhere man it's 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 we went to philadelphia last year you know the rocky steps i can't remember what, that's some art museum but then you look down and there's that huge statue there's like a handful of huge statues down like in this big mall area and like there's a ton of history just right there never mind the rest of philly right like you go down to independence hall and stuff like that yeah. but like that type of stuff like learning about something from just looking at a monument seems like so silly but now that it's 2023 you can go to that monument read about it and on the spot google like what is this and learn a lot while you're there. And I like to do that with my kids. We take them to national parks when we go on road trips and stuff. And they probably don't give a at all because they, they, they just they get to do it all the time and be like, hey, you know, this is a big deal. The XYZ thing happened <laughs> here or whatever. And they're like, yeah, okay, who cares? <laughs> 
The one thing I've always wanted to get into was the coin collecting. Each state has a specific coin. I can't remember where you have to go. It's like Traveler Center. Oh. I thought that'd be really cool. Um, I got something for you. If you know Steve Trevino, you know he loves to gamble. Yes. Big craps player. So here I collect a $1 coin at every casino that we go to. Almost every. And this is the past year and a half of chips i'm probably missing half a dozen but everywhere i go i call it the college fund i get one for me and i get bring one for my daughter and so if she wants if she wants to go to college she's got to go travel around the country cashing these in there's probably, I don't know, probably 18 20 there and then a half a dozen that i probably missed so that's my coin collection i gotta ask what's your writing process like do you write longhand do you write on the computer is it all in your head how do you how do you go about it it's on the computer and it's becoming less and less written out. You know, it used to be, it's always been on the computer. I just type faster. I can type, I can almost type as fast as I think. And so I'll just type out the joke. Here's, here's the wording of the joke. Here's the punchline, blah, blah, blah. But you know, like when you go to do it, the way you write is not the way you speak. So when you go to do it, it kind of comes out different or it doesn't feel natural if you do it like it does on the paper. So what I've been starting to do is writing down like the idea like a note and you'd be like, Oh, I'm going to talk about X, Y, Z thing that happened and try to come up with it in my head. And I have Monday show here in Austin at the Creek in the cave where I, I kind of use that to work things out where I'll go up there and go like, all right, I'm going to talk about, you know, this thing that happened with my son and try to just talk it out on stage, listen to it back and then just keep cutting and cutting and cutting until it's a joke. And then at that point, you know, I'll write it down somewhere to go like, all right, this is the joke. And this is the basic structure. And then I'll, I'll probably forget about that writing for a while and the joke will continue to change. And then I'll go back and update it again. I like to have a record to go like, all right, because I forget at some point in the future, I go, this is what I wrote down. That's kind of what it's becoming. And I like that because it feels more natural. But I also, you know, I worry that I forget things too easily in that process. And so hopefully that's just, a, you know, a little Easter egg for me to find years from now and go, yeah. oh, yeah, I forgot this was funny too. And go back and just like, yeah, I love that. I find scraps of paper all the time with an idea on them. And I'm like, when did I write this? And then I'll throw it down and start to work on it, you know? Um, Yeah. So what is the weirdest thing you ever saw on stage? Not not behind the scenes or anything like that, but like actually (laughs) on stage. Because we all know the weirdness happens behind the curtain. Yeah, totally. Has anything ever happened that stood out to you? Oh, it's the weirdest thing that happened on stage. Or during a show? Well, we had uh, had a couple people (laughs) have to be... Uh, have to be uh, taken out in an ambulance in Detroit. I don't know what happened to them. As long as I got off stage and someone uh, for the first show, and the road manager is like, "Yeah, they carried somebody out of here on a on a stretcher." And I go, "When you were on stage, I was like, oh, <laughs> and the next show, yeah, so I don't know what was going on there. Um, <laughs> it happened two thing. shows back to back, the same night. Two That's shows, insane. two shows and one night back to back." And I don't know, something that I can remember, I mean, I remember early on here in Austin or Georgetown, but in, in the Austin area, there's this great show called Barrels and Amps. It's run by my buddy Dean Stanfield, who's very funny. I was doing, I think, 30 minutes and like 10 minutes in, this lady just would not shut up. She, yeah, she was just drunk at the back of the room screaming and it turned into like a back, like the whole rest of the set was me and her arguing and it was bad <laughs> and at one point i'm like this isn't even funny anymore their name was angela and the next week she's like a regular at this place she might have even worked there but she was like off the clock because that's the kind of place georgetown is like everyone's like oh that's angela and uh <laughs> i went back the next time i went back and they had had a sticker made that said shut up angela <laughs> uh, <and> I, oh <laughs> gotta get these printed uh, 
Well, that was a nightmare then, but it, looking back, it's it's funny now. Oh, that's awesome. Do you play music? I see the guitar in the background. Yeah, I got. I mostly play bass. When I was in college and high school, I started playing guitar and I played out a couple times. And then I was like, ah, I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm like, like just okay. I don't have the. I don't know. I don't think I never had the. It never clicked all the way in where it's like now you can like do anything. It was just. I can play tabs and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you ever just pick it up and think about writing whenever, like comic writing and just pick away at it or anything like that? You know, I, lately I've been, the past couple of days, it's funny you say that I have been messing with it, but I mostly do it as like, when I when I first started doing it, is like an escape. Like, because you have to be, and comedy is this way, you can't think about anything else. You know what I mean? If you're trying to figure out how to do this, you know play the song or whatever you have to give it all of your attention and be and be doing it right now the same thing with comedy when you're on stage you're if you're thinking about something else if you're not in the moment then it's not going to work so i've been doing it as kind of a way actually to do the opposite to kind of shut off my brain and just doodle around i get so bored with it sometimes though because i'm not that good so i can do like three things <laughs> and i'm like all right i've heard this one yeah. <laughs> i'm moving on um yeah <laughs> What advice do you have for up and coming comedians? I'm about a year in. I'm not very good. What would you say to somebody who's just starting out? Just do it as much as you can stomach. Do it all the time. The most important thing you can do is just do it, especially if you're new. If you worry about anything else other than getting better at being on stage and writing jokes, then you're worried about the wrong things. I think if, you, if you're obsessed with your writing and if you're obsessed with figuring out your stage presence, then everything else will fall into place. You know, there's a lot of people who are not funny become very successful, but not for long. And that's just my, you know, what I observe. And the people who last and who matter are the people who are really genuinely good at being on stage. That doesn't mean being good about social media. It doesn't mean being good at, you know, networking. It means you're, you have to be good on stage. And I think that's, that should be the, your primary focus. And the thing that, really attracted me to comedy or that kind of hooked me on it was that I spent my whole life trying to figure out how to make money. And I went to college because like, I'll, I'll make more money. I got a job because I'll, I'll make more money. Uh, you know, I work pretty hard with this promotion, then I'll make more money. But it, it's not like those things are my passion. Comedy is the only thing in my life ever where I only, I, I, I only care about being good at it. It's the only thing that I've ever cared about being good at, actually. Uh, you know, besides being a father and being a husband, doing comedy is like i just want to do it and be good at this thing not because it will make me money that's becoming more complicated as like time goes on and i and i'm am making money doing it and then you're like well how can i make more money doing it <laughs> that becomes a problem but you have to do it just because you want to be good at it and yeah like i think another thing too is like whatever makes you laugh try to make that funny on stage and don't worry about the back of the room like it's fun for your peers to think that you're funny and for them to respect you, but nothing is more respected than somebody who can kill. And so for me, as a guy who started when I was 30 and I have a family, I talk about me and I talk about my kids. And, you know, Austin's a pretty young scene nowadays because of the way that it's been blowing up and yada, yada, yada. And so it's a lot of young guys, a lot of them talking about a lot of the same stuff. Everyone wants to talk about their dick. Everyone wants to talk about porn and whatever. Like, do it. That's fine. But it, I think it, it's sometimes easy for me to feel like, do I fit in because I'm up here? Like, I'm like the old guy. Like, I'm talking about like what it's like to be a dad and what it's like to uh, have a family and 
and, and all this stuff. But if it's getting a laugh and it's something that like, connects to you personally and makes the audience care about you, to me, that's the highest form of doing this. For my money, the greatest of all time is Chris Rock. I think there's nobody, everything that anybody might say about why someone else is the greatest. Someone said this, everything that everyone says about Dave Chappelle is true about Chris Rock. And it's because he is very funny. Yes. But that's that's almost not even, but everybody's funny. You know what I mean? There's a lot of funny dudes. There's a lot of dudes who are as funny as, but the reason that he is in another class is because his jokes are elevated because he also is talking about things that are messagey and people are afraid of a message. They go, oh, I don't want to be the net or whatever her name is. And I'm like, well, Chris Rock is funny and he's making a point. So the joke is already inside of you. Like, my favorite Chris Rock bits is from his most recent special where he goes, if you think you and your wife are equal, then go in your house and try to hang up a picture of your, of your mom. (laughs) That's, that's not even a joke. That's the beginning of the joke, but that idea, and he has a lot of that was like, like what's the value of being a man versus being a woman. If you took all the jokes out, it's like a profound thing to talk about, but he's funny and he makes a point, which I think makes him the most, the best, the highest version of this. So if you're trying to be that, then I think you're in good shape, but learn how to be funny, learn how to write a joke, then use those tools to figure out what you want to say. It sounds like you, you view it as an art form then, do you? Yeah, I think it is. Not a lot of art galleries are serving chicken nuggets, (laughs) but it's like, it is. I think that it is because, you know, it is more and more as I go on, it is, it's me expressing things that I want to express. So yes, it needs to be funny, and yes, it is. It, it's um, the point should come across in a funny way. But also, I get the chance to talk about whatever I want to talk about and things that are important to me, and create a message. I mean, I've had through working out jokes, like really had like realizations about like my issues. Sometimes a contentious relationship with my mom, and I started writing jokes about her. And through writing the jokes, I understood her better. So it's a way to express yourself. It's also a way to figure out who you are at the same time. Because if I'm going to tell a bunch of people who I am, I got to figure out who I am first. And so it is an art. You know, I think it's, and even if you're just up there with dick jokes, it's art too, man. It's just just for entertainment and emotional connection. And and this emotional connection just happens to be like, I'm going to make you laugh. And, And if I'm lucky, I'll make a point. Maybe you'll think too. Yeah, well, I always consider comedians modern day philosophers in a lot of ways, and they're able to tackle subjects that other people can't tackle because especially when it comes to race relations, gender relations, even our ages, like you said, you know, you're a young man and you have a family. I'm quite a bit older than you and I don't have a family, but it's universal. You know what I mean? You're doing universal yeah. comedy out there and talking about your family is one of the most relatable things you can do. Yeah. I mean, I just love it, though. But like you said, you throw a little bit of philosophy behind it, let people think about it for a while. That's the way to go. Totally. My last question for you is, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you want to be? Oh, it's a great question. I would love to have comedy be my main gig. You know, I'd love to be able to quit my job and, and focus all my energy on this. I think that uh, that's the next goal here. I don't know how long it's going to take. If it happens in five years, I'll be happy. You know, that's yeah. uh, to me that. that like a short time schedule for me with how long I've been doing it. But I really hope that at that point, I 
am building an audience that can help support my dream of doing this solely that's you know an audience that can relates to me and can connect with what i'm saying and is supporting me by listening to the podcast and by coming to shows and be able to do this full time take my family with me i mean that's the ultimate goal is i'd love to be able to take my family with me as much as i can whenever we go on the road and yeah i think the the i'm not sure what what the end to end goal is going to be or what it looks like i think for comedy you kind of just keep doing it and it's funny it's kind of disheartening because i heard a, the, recently this louis ck quote where he goes it takes 25 years to be a good comic but it also takes 25 years to figure out that you shouldn't have started in the first place <laughs> well i guess i'm that's what i'm headed towards is 25 years figuring out should i have done this <laughs> yeah no i think you should have man i think that you're killing it i think you're going to continue to kill it like i said four years in the game and you've already been on hbo you're traveling the country you've done so much more than a lot of people with four years that have done and it's so cool to hear that because everyone's journey is different i'm yeah. happy to hear that your journey you put in the work and, you know, and timing met. And that's what I call luck. It's hard work and timing meeting. Yep. That's luck. And you, you hit it, man. The shirt says lucky. So, yes, yeah, uh, that is awesome. We got to promote the show. Yeah, it's a Saturday, February 25th at 730, I believe. No, 1130 show, right? 1130 after Harlan Williams. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's so much fun. Have you ever seen him in person? Not in person, no. I, oh. I, I, I'm hoping I can catch some that night. Yeah, dude, he's aces. He's hysterical. He, he's a master of the stage. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so the 25th at 1130, you got Kirsty Hayden. She's local. She's awesome. Tony Casillas, yeah. he moved down to Austin from here. He's awesome. Shahan Jahani, he's great, too. And then Dean Stanfield, you're bringing him up with you, huh? Yeah, my buddy Dean down here, uh, uh, he's one of my best friends in comedy and otherwise, because I really only have comedy friends. Uh, <laughs> Dean's going to come with me. We're going to gig at McKinney the night before at the Comedy Arena that Friday before, which is the 24th, I believe, mm -hmm. right? So if you're in McKinney and you want to do the set Friday, come see me on Friday, Saturday, 1130 at Addison. Uh, I love the Addison Improv. I heard they closed the... Uh, they closed the bar across the hallway. They did, yeah. Social media, facebook.com backslash Dave J Comic, Instagram.com backslash Dave J Comic. I was laughing because your Twitter just says, I hate Twitter. Go to my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Follow me on Twitter, I guess, but I won't be there. Uh, Instagram is where all the good stuff is. Please listen to my podcast, This Dave yeah. in History. Me and some other dummy every week talk about history. Actually, the episodes coming out on Friday are with Tony Casillas. Oh, very uh, nice. And and yeah. Dean's on the early episodes, which were great. So I, I yeah, highly Dean's... suggest checking those out. What, what's the yeah, YouTube channel? I, 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 uh, the YouTube channel is look up Dave J. Comedian and This Dave in History on YouTube. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And run over there at uh, Josh Cabaza's studio. Josh is a San Antonio guy who's, you know, one of the, I think, Texas favorite sons in comedy. So come check it out. And I appreciate you having me on the show, man. This is this yeah. is great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on. Everyone go check out the show on the 25th, like we said. Dave, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, I hope that everything happens in five years or one of the biggest comics in the nation, if not the world. That would be awesome. So Hey, you said it. With that said, everyone out there, please support local comedy in any way, shape, or form that you can. And with that, we'll see you on the next one.
And there it is. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please head over to ImprovTX.com to check out all our upcoming shows at the Addison, Arlington, Houston, and San Antonio clubs. If you like this podcast, you might enjoy the other podcasts on the ImprovTX Comedy Network. We have The Act Out. From open mics to the big stage, comedians tell us the story they've made, where I talk to comedians from all over and chat about their journey this far. Also, check out the Black Dog Retro Arcade Podcast. Straight from the arcade, we talk about how our favorite games were made. That's right, we're talking all that video game goodness. And finally, we have Quackin' Up, a storytelling podcast where we pick suggestions from a hat and tell stories based upon them. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Please check out our social media, all links in the description. And with that, we'll see you on the next one.